Welcome to Dunzo. This is a podcast that explores hookups and breakups of famous lovers and friends, both real and fake, and all the discarded pop culture of yesteryear. I'm your host, Troy McKeady. Guys, welcome to episode 155 of Dunzo. It is me, Troy McGeady, and I'm super, 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 super fucking excited about this episode, not only because it's something that I've wanted to do since I was five, literally, um, <laughs> but I'm excited to record with my friend Jay. Jay Renna is here. How are you? Hey, buddy. Um, oh my God, hang on. My mom is calling as soon as you intro me. <laughs> it's okay. Let me ignore. Hey, guys, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm excited to be here. Um, it's it's always just such a pleasure talking to Troy. It is a pleasure talking to me. I have to honestly, I have to agree with that. Um, <laughs> the mirror would agree. Um, so pretty much any time that you come on this podcast, it's like in some way related to our favorite horror franchise. And today we decided to fully take the plunge. The last time you were here, we talked about David Arquette and Courtney Cox and the relationship. Yes. And we sort of talked, I mean, we obviously talked about Scream, but like we weren't able to really like talk about Scream because we had to talk about their marriage and their house and things. And today we're gonna just lean in and we are going to just kind of gab like a couple of gays at a kitchen table about about Scream. We're gonna talk about Scream 1 yeah. and Scream today. Yeah, we are. I'm so excited. We've actually been like trying to get this conversation to happen for a very long time. Yeah, it's um, been a while. Yeah, because I remember we God was it just months ago. Just like you asked, you want to do a scream episode? And I was like, yeah, let's do it. And just the scheduling was off, and then Dunzo was. You know, we were we're eight months into your Whitney and Bobby yeah, franchise. Good Lord. <laughs> I mean that respectfully, obviously. No, I get it. <laughs> But no, I'm glad we're here. I'm glad we're doing it. I'm so excited. There's nothing that I, like, I literally don't talk about anything else more than the Scream franchise. So I, it's, like, alarming, where I can just connect anything I'm talking to anyone about. Just, like, oh, by the way, you know, did you know? And then everyone just, like, just rolls their eyes at me. It's like, anyway. Isn't it funny when you realize one of the things, that, like, a thing that you love is actually kind of manic? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, just the fun fact. Like, I'll throw out a fun fact, like, watching it, and then someone who, like, is a casual watcher just looking like why do you know that yeah and it's like <laughs> well like, because i'm not casual about things i love exactly it's like i love hard and this has been in my life i actually didn't see it in theaters i saw it like as soon as like the home release happened um it's weird because like i grew up watching like my dad was like adamant about me watching horror movies so like my first thing what like my first franchise i watched was friday the 13th Okay. But for some reason, I guess maybe because I was a child and it would look weird, but they never took me to the theater to see Scream. I had to wait until, like, I, the, all, all three of the movies, like, I had to wait, or four, excuse me. Wait, no. All three of them, four, what, fourth excluded, um, they just would never take me to the movies to see it. But as soon as home yeah. release came out, like, we were, there we were at Hollywood Video renting them. I was going to say, I want to know, like, what is the full experience of you seeing this movie for the first time? Um, I have a very specific memory on how stupid I was as a child because I remember seeing like the the trailers and the commercials and all the TV spots for it thinking it was an actual like ghost story 
<laughs> that makes sense though. Yeah, and I just was like, okay, because you know, I was like, what, six when this movie came out, six or seven, and I just remember thinking like, oh, that's what a ghost looks like that's trying to kill people. Right. <laughs> and just like f- taking it face value, like, oh, that is it. This is a haunted house story where the ghost kills them. It's like, that seems fun. <laughs> when you know that you're too young to be watching something. <laughs> exactly. They're like, oh, okay, then I cannot comprehend what's happening. Yeah. You know, and then it's weird. It had, as soon as it came out, like video release, I remember renting it and then watching it. And I had this memory of just being, it was at my cousin's house where I was just like, this is different from like stuff like I, cause I was watching Friday the 13th and Halloween and all that. And when I saw that, I was like, this is different. This is like, I remember thinking that it was cool. Like, I was like, this is a cool movie. These are cool high school kids that are just in, having a bad day. And then I just, that like kind of carried out like the, what I think thought and think about the franchise is that it is a fun, you know, murder mystery, but like, these are like, fun cool movies to watch with like a group of people yeah they're never not cool like at the time they felt cool even as a kid i knew that they were cool and they were like like, a, like you said a cool like group of kids mm-hmm. and even now i watch it and i'm like this is still really cool <laughs> you know what i mean like <laughs> there's still a really cool group of friends and it's fun to watch them i mean now of course it's like they're all extremely famous but like mm-hmm it's fun to watch them through this lens of them all just sort of being like young ingenues, you know? Yeah. Cause like when you say scream now, everyone like knows like, you know, Nev Campbell, Courtney, Courtney Cox, Dave Cat. Yeah. Um, and they're all, they're these household names now just because not only of the, mostly because of the franchise, but just because everything they've all done outside of it. Um, but like these were like kind of, with the exception of Courtney Cox and I guess Drew Barrymore, just unknown actors. Right. Not necessarily nobodies, but just like, you know, they weren't names that anyone recognized immediately. Yeah, totally. It almost had this like semi-pseudo like indie approach to it of just like trying to do this big horror movie with actors that 80% of the people watching this are just not going to know, which I really love. Yeah, 100%. And even with Courtney, it's like, of course, people knew who Courtney, who Courtney Cox was, but for her to do something, you know, on screen so far removed from being Monica Geller, mm-hmm. like, even that in itself was, like, pretty crazy. Yeah, because what was it? Like, Friends was about, like, what, like, three or four seasons in by the time this movie came out? I think. Yeah. I, I'm not a Friends head. I, I don't know. Like, I've seen, like, maybe 10 episodes sporadically. <laughs> of friends so i don't remember the premiere date i want to say like 94 is when friends came out i don't know but yeah um because she chose courtney chose this role because she was already in that friends haze of like everyone's gonna know me as this the show is huge i want to do something completely different and so like she was attached like as like one of the bigger names of the movie it's so crazy to think like what I mean obviously it's crazy to think what all of their lives would have been like if they hadn't done this movie but specifically Courtney like it's crazy that Courtney is a part of she's on a television show that people just I'm also not a scream head or a scream head I, I've never seen screams <laughs> um, I was like well then I am wasting my time I gotta go <laughs> now have, fun with your, have fun with your little show <laughs> Go watch. Like I didn't else. get to finish it, but <laughs> no, I'm not a friend's head. I, I was in the 90s and I used to watch it obsessively, but I 
if I'm being honest, I don't think it's aged very well. That's a whole different conversation. I just don't think uh-huh. I'm I'm just not the person who like rewatches friends on TBS. Like I don't I don't care. Um but I was back then and it's just crazy that Courtney Cox is a part of these two massive, massive things. Like she left TV to do something different so that people wouldn't like typecast her or know her for one thing. And then she did a horror movie, which is now the only other thing people know her for. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting to think about. It's because like Courtney, like she's fine. She's good forever. Um, but people can only be like, oh yeah, she was in Friends and Scream. And then sometimes every now and then you'll, you'll hear someone say um, Cougar Town. Yeah. Um, but like, honestly, never really went on to like be like the movie superstar that I think she was trying to grasp for at this time. Totally. I, I can't even, I can't even in my mind right now think of another movie to like put Courtney Cox in. Like, I don't even know what else she's done. I love Courtney Cox and it's weird because I've followed her since I was a kid, but I don't know. <clears throat> and I liked Cougar Town and all of those things, but I like, it's just funny. Um, and I- That's I, actually, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. No, 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 you go. I was just gonna say Cougar Town's one of my, it's on my like quarantine watch list of like iconic shows that people just, I just never tuned into. That's because well, I was on for like five plus years. Cause, um, we talked about this through text, but like right now I'm watching Gossip Girl and the OC for the first time ever yeah. right now. And it's almost like, I almost feel like a fake going this long and being like, <laughs> I love pop culture. And then not having seen those. And then now watching them in 2020, realizing like, oh, this was like huge, huge. Like I get some like references and shit like that. Like I sh- like I should not have missed that, but I'm kind of glad I'm watching that all for the first time now. But that was just a long-winded way of saying I'm gonna watch Cougar Town soon. <laughs> no, you'll love Cougar Town. Is like it's very much your humor. You will love it. It's like it's it's funny and I mean Busy Phillips. I mean it's it's just it's good. Yeah. Um, that's ironic though. Your like first time watching Scream Story is very similar to mine. I I actually did see this. So my dad snuck me into the movie theater to see this because nice <laughs> i know because it was like it was very important <laughs> it's for so, so uh real quick i'm so sorry uh, i love just sneaking like sneaking into movies like i worked at a movie theater for years like in my like 19 through like 21 like i was working at a movie theater and it feels like you're committing such like the biggest crime of all time oh like you just, I feel like the FBI is going to come in and start dusting Yeah, it's <laughs> just like making sure no one can see you just swoop right into the next door. Like, it, you feel like you're breaking the biggest rule, like, on planet Earth. And now, like, when I was, like, working at movie theaters, I'm like, oh, I don't give a shit. No one gives a shit if you sneak into a movie theater. Yeah. Just don't, like, kick someone's chair and, like, that's, then you're fine. Like, enjoy the halfway done film. I don't fucking care. <laughs> Um, but yeah my dad like snuck me into this because I also came from a family that where it was like very important that I see a bunch of horror movies because Mm -hmm. my mom was a really really big horror fan so by the time oh that's cool I didn't know that about your mom oh yeah she's like she so my first introduction was not Friday the 13th it was Nightmare on Elm Street and then I watched Friday the 13th after oh okay it was like my favorite horror villain is Freddy Krueger like 
you have to know. Oh my God, Troy, we were yin and yang. Like, I know. I, I actively, I actively chose not to do Friday the th- or, um, Nightmare on Elm Street because I knew as a kid, I was like, this one's too much for me right now. Yeah, this one yeah. can wait. I need <laughs> to be able to sleep. Yeah, I was like, this one can wait. That's why I was only like. Um, Jason Voorhees and Michael Myers. That was it. I was like, we can get to Freddy later. Give me a couple years when I'm nine and I'll get there. Yeah, my dreams are already a problem. I'm trying to work with that already. Like, I get it. And I used to know, like, real talk, I used to have, like, reoccurring, um, obviously, nightmares Mm -hmm. about Freddy Krueger all the time he's, but I, he's like, the only like, one he's the only one that I, um, I had a, I have a, a couple of scream nightmares with Ghostface but no like Freddy Krueger like absolutely like was in my nightmares yeah like I met him mm-hmm. my arm burned on the boiler <laughs> and he woke up in English <clears throat> class yeah with a gray streak in my hair <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like damn it Krueger Uh, (laughs) but yeah so then the dam broke and all i did all i wanted to do as a kid was watch horror movies all i wanted to watch was Mm -hmm. i wanted to recreate horror movies i wanted to force my cousins to watch horror movies like it was just it was insane but there was just something about scream that made it feel different it was like to me scream is a horror movie that rewards you for being a fan of horror Exactly. Yeah, no, I couldn't agree more. It was that it uh, it was the one where we almost like didn't watch on purpose. Right. Just because we knew that it had its status. Like there was no reason to like watch this again. Let's watch something. Let's watch a Friday the 13th or a Nightmare on Elm Street or later down the line. Let's watch Valentine instead or Urban Legend when we have like our yeah. cousins over, like when we have movie nights. We don't need to do Scream because we already know what that's going to do. Because totally. that kind of set the standard of all of those movies that came after it. Totally. And, like, especially being young and seeing this and, like, you know, when you're young and you actually are susceptible to being really, really afraid of a horror movie to the point that it, like, affects your week or whatever at school, mm-hmm. um, the only thing that sort of protects you is knowing the beats of horror. Like, you know, you know, when the person runs up the stairs and all the things, like, you know all yeah. those things that people make fun of. So it makes you feel safer. But then as a kid watching Scream and seeing them make fun of all the things that usually sort of like sort of protect you in a weird way. Um, yeah. That was a weird mind fuck as a kid. Yeah, it was more like you're sitting there like as a kid being like, wait, how do they know to do right. this? <laughs> and then like just processing that they are referencing other horror movies in the horror movie and like are going against those rules right. i just remember being like what are they doing and again that was one of the things that like contributing to like the cool factor because we hadn't seen that before we hadn't seen a horror movie take itself so seriously but also just have like is in on its own joke yeah it's in on its joke and it's sort of like i've all i've also always loved the fact that like in scream when they do make fun of cliches and then they like will do them. It's like, yeah, that's life. Like when you're in fight or flight and there's a person chasing you with a knife, like there's a chance that you'll run up to an attic with no doors. You know what I mean? Like you just keep going forward. Yeah, you just do dumb shit. It's not like it it just these are people making fun of it and then doing it because that is literally life. My favorite like trope that they do that they make fun of like beautifully in scary movie is running up the stairs and throwing things behind you that you can just grab. Yeah. <laughs> like flower pots. 
<laughs> and grand pianos. <laughs> but no, because that's one of those examples of just like, just run and whatever's in like your arm's reach, just grab it and throw it and just keep the fuck going. Yeah. Yes. And it's always the shit people like, like scream laugh at. Like, oh, she threw a flower pot. It's like, yeah, I'd probably throw a fucking chapstick. I would throw anything. <laughs> just like anything. Yeah. Like it's survival. Yeah. Um, why do you think this scream has such like a long... What is it about Scream that it's had such a lasting effect and why, you know, like I love Nightmare on Elm Street and I love Friday mm-hmm. the 13th and I love Halloween, but those are movies that are sort of, I mean, they're obviously canon, but it's like at the same time, young people don't flock to 80s horror franchises the same way they do Scream. Like, what do you think that is? That, that's a good question. I, I think about this a lot because there's a reason that there's, you know, like eight, nine, ten, Friday 13th, Halloween's, Nightmare on Elm Streets. Right. But there's only four screams in the span of over 20, like 20 years now. Yeah. Or I guess almost. Is that my math right? 15 years? <laughs> no, yeah. Um, I, I, that's a hard, I didn't know you were going to ask that. That's a hard question to answer. <laughs> <laughs> answer the question. Because, like, I know how that answer is formulated in my head. Um, I don't know. I think there is just a, a certain storytelling with Scream that really belongs in one through four. Then, like, I don't know. Yeah. It was just because outside of the murder and the campiness of it all, it was a genuine drama with this big dramatic story arc of just like Sydney and her mom. And then we get into the mom's past and like all murders aside, like, I think it like that would have been an ex an an amazing late nineties, like hour long five season, like, you know, like primetime (laughs) scripted drama. Yeah. Like with Sydney and her mom and the Hollywood thing that will come later. But I really think it's because of the story of Sydney was so rooted in reality despite all of everything around her that I think that because they were able to tell that story at the time in in three movies, like it didn't need to become an oversaturated franchise of nine sequels. And I think that's yeah. why it has that status of being Scream and everyone knows what it is as opposed to like Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street where there's sequel after sequel after sequel. Mm-hmm. You, even people being like, oh, you can start at, like, part five and still, like, get it. Right. Scream, you can't do that with one through four. You have to have That's seen so the true. movie before that to get this story because it is a serious story they're trying to tell with some murder sprinkled into it. And I think that's why it's able to have that status that it does and is, it, is more referred to as, with audiences today, with as the fun slasher horror movie and it's, you know, over the other ones. That is so true. I've never really thought about that, but Scream doesn't cater to people who haven't seen the whole thing. Like, you can't you can't just watch Scream 3 and enjoy it. I mean, you can, I guess, but you'll literally... Like, it doesn't... It's not one of those horror movies that you can just pick up from, you know, yeah, and part I, and nine. I, <laughs> from experience, like, I, I was watching part three. God, I, this was, like, a few years ago. Like, I think, like four hadn't even come out yet so I guess a while ago but um, I remember a friend of mine like walked into the room and like started watching it with me I was like have you ever seen any of these and she was like oh no this is my first one I was like in the middle of Scream 3 I was like oh then you're probably like not gonna get it she was like oh no no she was like the first one though like her the killer is her boyfriend right I was like yeah 
She's like, oh no, then that's I get it then. Like that's fine. <laughs> that would give me so much anxiety. I would love uh, to turn off the fucking TV immediately. Yeah, no, I, I hate telling this to you because I know how that makes you feel. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I just aged 40 years. <laughs> but yeah, it's like, but I can do that. Like, cause I started watching Halloween, honestly. Like I remember one and two, and I never saw part three, to be honest. I've never seen the third non-canon one. But I started watching Halloween really at part four with Jamie. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's a that's fun place what, to start. See, and that's one of those things, like, I started there and just ha- having just base knowledge of one and two at the time. Because I saw part yeah. four probably when I was, like, in middle school. And I was like, oh, I'm going to start here. And then, like, that was my Halloween for a while. And then I was like, God, that's so weird to think about, though. Because, like, Halloween is such a good example. It's so different from Scream in the sense that, like, there have been so many stories told in other horror franchises that they almost do have eras. Like that's mm-hmm. the Jamie era. That is the era of his niece. And then yeah. there's the era of his sister. And like, it's mm-hmm. just crazy. Like that, that's so true. You can watch those movies sort of in their sort of specific eras and it's completely fine. Like the Jamie years of Halloween is a different movie. Exactly. Yeah, and then, like, with, like, again, back to that story, because with my friend, like, especially with, like, the reveal of part three has to do 100% with part one. Right. And so, if, like, you haven't seen it and you see that reveal, I mean, that just falls flat. It it doesn't even do anything. It's just a random person taking off their mask and be like, I'm the killer. Yeah. And then you move on. But when you are have been invested into this franchise for so long and then you see that and you're like oh my god yeah that's <laughs> so true i've never really thought about it that way also i feel like this like everybody who's ever been involved in scream they take it very serious like even if it's one you know if you can rate your screams and everybody has like their favorites over their least favorites or whatever but like for the most part that entire time Everybody involved in the production of that movie mm-hmm. really cares a lot about that movie. Like, it isn't it isn't Nightmare on Elm Street Nine, where exactly. people just want to make some money and figure out if they can wring a little bit more wa- like water out of the rag. Is that a saying? I think it hey. is. It sounds very Texas, so I should know. <laughs> so it might be a botched version of something you might have heard. Like it was real Pioneer Woman. I just gave you straight <laughs> up Osage County. <laughs> I think you just like paraphrase a Leanne Locken tweet or something. <laughs> Let's see if there's more water left in this rag. But you know what I mean. It's like they're just trying to make yeah. money, whereas everybody involved in Scream was like their heart was in every single moment of this whole franchise. And honestly, this ties into it. Obviously, what I um, I forgot to tack this on at the beginning, but it all has to do with Wes Craven. Yeah, it does because he was the only director in this movie franchise and you know with all all the other ones you get a new director every movie every new writer every movie and so they're trying to keep this like image together of michael myers or of freddy krueger but every movie is gonna have different writers different casts it's just it's just a property that's passed up through different hands but with scream you had um yeah, Wes Craven and Kevin Williamson the entire time. Yep. Except for part three, which we'll talk about it in that episode. Yeah. <laughs> um, three is an exception. Kevin was involved, but three just is credited with a whole new writer, which we'll get into that later. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, the West of it all, though, it's like, in that, I feel like goes... Because he loved it, too. Yeah, like, Wes loved this movie so much. He loved these characters. It, like, did so much for his... Like, when you think of Wes Craven, of course, there's so many things that come to mind, but Scream is, like, this is really, like, his baby, you know? Mm-hmm. And even with other franchises that Wes has been a part of, it's, like, all of the best of, like, the best Nightmare on Elm Streets are the ones that Wes Craven had involvement in. Yeah, like, you know, New Nightmare is so good. So fucking good. Dream Warriors is my favorite movie of all time. I talk about it every episode. Um, <laughs> why do you think the Scream, why do you think the uh, Scream has such an intense gay following? Like, why is that? Is it just because it's a campy horror movie? It can't be. I on it, it's, it's, I want to say, and I'm saying this, like, because this isn't what it is for me. I just love watching the dynamic of Nev Campbell and Rose McGowan and Courtney Cox just interact together mm-hmm. because they do just like, mm-hmm. just they do cattiness so well together when they're like all like their scenes, like when she gets punched and whenever she approaches Gail at the van outside of the school the next day, it's just yeah. their dynamics. I'm just like, Oh, this is kind of like it's like high school mean girl behavior but we've never seen it with two high schoolers and a grown woman and it is kind of like them like nevin rose versus courtney it's kind of the like very sub like sub sub plot that we're watching because they hate her they can't stand her and so i think that just goes that kind of lends itself to just like the mean girl behavior that we unfortunately just devour it's true it's because it's like they have like a there's a soapy element to scream yeah there's a soapiness there's a there's like a melrose place to scream like the dewey and gale of it all like there's just like something about scream that has like a soapy element that i feel like the gays love but also i will say i think i've thought about this a lot over the years and i i feel like one of the reasons the gays love scream so much is because of its final girl because Nev is not like any other Sydney Prescott is not like any other final girl. She's not at all. She's a it's, survivor. She's <laughs> she's a survivor. <laughs> <laughs> she's she steps into the sunlight and out of darkness. Hello? Sorry, Jake, can you hear me? Yeah, what happened? Okay, I knocked my, my microphone out. Okay, keep going. Oh, okay. Did you hear my out of the darkness line? I thought it was good. <laughs> no, say it again. I'm sorry. Say it again. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's why I thought you hated it. So you said, um, like, Nev's a final girl. Sydney's a final girl. So yeah, she stepped out into the sunlight and out of darkness. <laughs> and then it just went silent. And I was like, oh, I'll try something else next time. The worst <laughs> feeling ever. I'm literally the worst podcast. <laughs> it, was just like, no. it was just like dead air. And I was like, oh, fuck. He didn't like that at all. I'm like, that's- um, Jay, that joke wasn't funny. <laughs> Jane. Um, <laughs> but no, she's... Uh, the way that, I mean, I mean, this has like sort of been beaten to death, but it's like the way that Sidney Prescott fights back is like, it's unprecedented. Like even, I mean, you can go as far, I love a final girl trope. I love a final girl. I live, laugh, love for a final girl. Mm-hmm. And it's just, there's something about the fact that Sidney Prescott, like, whoops his ass the whole time, even though he is the clumsiest killer typically in the history of horror, Nev is constantly 100%. ass, 
And she's the only final girl who, in the history of all horror, who knows that she's a final girl. Yeah, um, we'll talk about this, you know, with part two more in detail, but yeah, because she, her life gets put on screen. Yep. And so now there's a whole other movie within a movie within a movie with its own roles. And it's, it's horror movie within horror movie. So now she's watching herself become this final girl and becoming someone that people are going to reference, like kind of like we are now yeah. in that universe. And for her to really have that title for four chapters of a franchise just doesn't happen. There's, there yeah. isn't... I mean, if there is some horror movie that I haven't seen, I apologize, but like she leads four movies that she survives in, that she is the final girl of, and does it all very well. So well. Even the third one. I mean, I'm sorry. Like, I have a real love of Scream 3, which we'll get to, of course. Even though, yeah, she has like a half of a scene throughout the whole movie. (laughs) Right. (laughs) She's in it for, I think she has like the least amount of screen time, like, not joking wise like i think that's like was in her contract for three i think because she isn't it in a lot of part three yeah she just like shows up at the end to beat his ass because nobody else can this clumsy ass killer (laughs) yeah she's got to like lure him through living room so that he can fall over tables and stuff and then eventually (laughs) he'll die that's how she she kills him loves chasing a chase through the living room oh and he loves (laughs) to just run through items (laughs) <laughs> through couches, through tables, through chairs, flower pots. Like he just runs through big items. Oh, no. The 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 way he fell in Scream Two when he first attacks her in Portia de Rossi's house. Right. Um I, I that's it looks like it hurts so bad for him. I know. Because he ju- his like foot hits the couch and he brings he just like falls like face plants like from <laughs> ten feet in the air. Does he like, fully knock over a like lazy boy recliner? Yeah. Yeah, you can hear it. <laughs> it's like if you had just walked through the open space of that living room, you probably could have killed Sydney. <laughs> yeah, you didn't have to jump over that. I don't know what you're trying to prove. <laughs> it was just y'all two in the room. <laughs> <laughs> I love how clumsy he is. And I love that you always hear him going like, oh, uh, oh, like he's always like, God, I think they kept that up until the fourth movie, like where anytime something happened, you would just hear his like, ow. Ugh. Yeah, ow. <laughs> <laughs> He's like me as a as a horror movie killer, just fucking falling all the time, slipping on like banana peels. <laughs> just going to the fridge for my like three day old sushi. He's like, ouch. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the things that since we're sort of like generally talking about a lot of different horror movies, one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about that I always find really interesting is like you know people obviously bring up the movies after Scream that influenced mm-hmm. it. And I do want to talk about that. Amazing. But I think it's even more interesting when you look at movies, like 80s and 90s horror movies, that very clearly were sort of like precursors to Scream. Like it was like, oh, that has a little... Like, um, like New Nightmare is a perfect example. So much just like understanding of the fact that it's a horror movie it's literally a movie that Wes Craven is writing Mm -hmm. as the movie is going on like Heather Langenkamp is in the film as herself as the final girl like New Nightmare is sort of like 
and it was terrible. I mean, it was a horror. It was a good movie, but everybody thought it was terrible because they weren't ready for it. And I don't think Wes Craven would have ever done Scream if he had not done that first. I agree. Um, I think like I, I think he really loves that because not a lot of horror, like if any horror, like outside of him, like really did that kind of like yeah. turning its own movie on its own head and making that movie become the movie in the movie. Yeah. Um. Because I love bringing up New Nightmare just because, like, no one really references it, references oh. that as being a meta movie. Everyone's like, oh, no, Scream does it. Like, well, Wes did it before, and I think he really loves playing with that. Because there's a fine line you could do with that, that where that kind of gets lost in translation or could get lost in translation. Of oh. Trying to do a meta story within horror. Because, one, that's fun to do, but, two, you also have to, like, you know, write a meta movie while also like kind of doing the horror trips at the same time. And I think mm-hmm. Wes really knew how to do that. And yeah. I, I, I hate that Nightmare gets lost in it because I, I think that's where it started for him where he's like, oh, this, this storytelling is kind of fun. I would love to do more of this. If you guys haven't, if you guys love horror or whatever and you've, maybe you love Scream and you've never seen a lot of the Nightmare on Elm Street's there's only a few that you really need to see. And one of them, I, I honestly think it's one of the most important horror movies like of all time is New Nightmare. And it's a movie literally starring Wes Craven and all of the people who were involved in the production of Nightmare on Elm Street from New Line Cinema. And they're making a Friday the 13th. And like the movie is becoming Heather Langenkamp's life. And she has to reenact the first Nightmare on Elm Street to like get through it it's fucking amazing and it also is so respectful of the original movie it doesn't like shit on it or erase it or you know it was all yeah. a dream it's amazing I, I remember like watching that being like kind of younger and kind of not understanding what they were doing at the time just because my brain couldn't comprehend the whole like oh wait is she Heather or Nancy sure yeah it's like wait I don't know and then thinking at one point, I was like, oh, this is a documentary. And then, like, just being like, oh, wait, no, not this at all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's I think it was like 10 or 11 when I first saw that one. Literally the age of the kid that's being haunted by Freddy. Uh, absolutely. That's when I knew I was ready. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> there's, another, um, <laughs> there's another movie that is totally a pre-screen screen. It's one of the Friday the 13th. It's the sixth one. My favorite one. Six. Is that Manhattan? The sixth one is Jason Lives. And it's like, it's the one where they go. It's the only one that has kids at the camp. Like, they go to the camp and. What does the cover look like for Lives? I'm blinking. It's a, um, a tombstone. And like Tommy Jarvis goes back to the graveyard and like stabs Jason or yeah, stabs Jason's body and like electric electricity brings him back to life. And he ends up like, Oh, that's right. Remember? And then the girl's dad is like a sheriff. Yeah. And Tommy's like in jail. Um, That movie, if you look. You you reminded me with the electricity and the lightning storm and all of that. Yeah. He's got like maggots in his eyes and then his eyes open. It's really iconic. Yeah. Um, but if you read about that movie on the internet, a lot of people credit that as being like a, a huge, huge influence for Kevin to write Scream. 
because it's the only, it's like one of the best uh, Friday the 13th and it's the only one that's like aware that it's a horror film. Like there's even moments where like they'll look into the camera and just like, I don't know, it's very heavy handed, but it's like, you yeah. know, it was like the late 80s. Like that was like crazy. I think I need to go back to that one. That one I haven't seen in so long. Oh my God. You The will. one that I go to a lot, I, I go to Manhattan a lot. Like that's one of my like, guilty pleasure favorite ones. Of oh, the, the best. Yeah. It's just like, the best. The, he lifts his mask up like after he kicks that guy's like jukebox in the streets. I know. <laughs> <laughs> if and by by Manhattan, Manhattan you mean like the Jason that takes place on a boat and then ends in Manhattan for four minutes, like yeah, <laughs> <laughs> literally a cruise. Jason, it's Jason takes a cruise. Um. <laughs> But then, of course, there are the movies that came after Scream. And we were so lucky to be really young when Scream came out. And then for the rest of our elementary, middle school, high school, and some of college years, all of our horror movies, not all of them, but a lot of the ones that were major were totally, yeah. uh, you know, because of Scream. I would even say, like, I went, I'll start it at Scream of being, like, from 96 through, like, 2008. Yeah, Of just, totally. like, that certain type of horror movie that just, like, was kind of the same version of something you've seen before. Yeah. And then once we get to 2006-ish, maybe 2005, that's when it kind of starts getting, like, gory-gory. Yeah. And then kind of, yeah. like, after 2008, it just, like, stops. But yeah, um, so True. the movies, yeah, it, there's so many films, like, that's honestly my favorite genre of film is movies that came after Scream trying to be Scream, but not me too. To Scream. I know. Movies that are like, this reminds me of the movie Psycho. <laughs> Being like, this is like Texas Chainsaw, the horror movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, I, I love, I Know What You Did Last Summer. I mean, that's probably my favorite post it still holds up so like that movie for those who don't know is an iconic movie after scream however it takes place on july 4th and i watch it every july 4th (laughs) for as long as i could remember even if i don't watch it the entire year that movie is getting played on the 4th of july it's so good god damn it baby look at me (laughs) tell me what you see God, I always want to just like fucking reach into that tire alley and pull Sarah Michelle Gellar into the fucking parade every single time. Always a murder victim, never, never a final girl. I know, but it's why we love her. It's why we love her. She also, by the way, has the most elaborate deaths in every horror movie she's in. Her death in I Know What You Did Last Summer is 40 minutes long. (laughs) <laughs> it's the whole movie it's the whole and it's amazing she it's the, best the longest chase scenes yeah <laughs> yes yes her death in scream 2 is so long and it's so good i remember when i was in high school um in my drama class we all were like given a director like first week of drama class shit and um it was like talk about this director so obviously i chose Wes craven Mm-hmm. And we all brought in like a clip of a movie to show. <laughs> and I brought in <laughs> Sarah yeah. Michelle Geller's death from the very beginning to the very end, blaring on the roll in TV. Troy, do you know what I did like four years ago? So <laughs> I went back to school for like film and uh, creative writing in Austin. 
and I was taking this like it was I don't even remember like what it was like sound effects class for film and we were doing like some assignment on like bring in your favorite scene where you can tell they did a lot of sound effects they could be digital or like foley and I was like okay cool and I brought in the fucking like opening scene of Scream 4 which was 12 minutes long. Oh, yeah. I <laughs> so, like, I pranced my ass up to the front of the class, <laughs> put my little flash drive in, and then hit play and just sat there for 12 minutes as, like, 12 out of the 14 people in that class texted. And then I had to give, like, a 20-minute explanation on sound and what I thought about the sound of that. <laughs> as people are being bludgeoned on the TV for the class. <laughs> It's like Greta Packwin's having her guts cut open. (laughs) And I'm like, so yeah. So anyway, they got like a knife and they stab it into a watermelon like a lot. (laughs) And that's what you're hearing. No one's really getting stabbed. (laughs) (laughs) It's not actual flesh to knife. Um, Oh, that's my like, I still, it's one of like those things like when you wake up in a hot sweat about in the middle of the night. I was like, why did I bring a 12 minute clip when I knew the assignment was five minutes? (laughs) <laughs> but I was like, I'm going to get this class to watch the entire intro screen for. It's because when else do you have the fucking opportunity to be like, hey, everybody watch this whole classroom, watch this thing I like. Yeah. And then like, I'm sure 90% of them have never seen any of it. It's like with like the opening scene with all the stab movies. <laughs> it was just like, the fuck are we watching? Like, what is this trash? <laughs> and I, I was lucky that I had a... Uh, my drama teacher was really cool and she like really loved horror. So she let me play as much of it as I wanted. And I just remember- Oh, that's so amazing. The TV was like, it needed to be turned down. It was too loud. It was like aggressive. (laughs) And this, that scene is so loud and it was just so like intense. And then to just turn it off and have the room be silent and be like, so that was Sir Michelle Gellar's death in the screen too. And the reason that I chose this (laughs) clip, uh, (laughs) um, And also, I we should mention, by the way, that, like, it's important to mention when you talk about the legacy of Scream is that it revived, the reason that there were so many copycats of this movie is because it revi- revitalized horror. Like, it revived Absolutely. horror. It shot a big, it, like, basically stabbed a syringe of uh, of adrenaline into the horror franchise. And when you look at the movies that came out the year prior to Scream, I looked up like the 1995 horror list and it was like Candyman 2, which is terrible. Like Leprechaun 3, The Curse of Michael Myers, which is like literally a horrific film. Um, It was bad. Yeah. So everything like from the the, like 80s slasher heyday was like coming to a close or had already come to a close at that, like in 95. And so, like, 94, 95, there was just, like, that was it. Things were done. Horror was, yeah. like, this is a rap, baby. Like, let's move, let's, let's go somewhere else. Yeah, I mean, if you think about what had been released for, like, the past, at that point, it would have been, what, like, a decade of, like, the 80s slashers? Yeah, it have to be, yeah. And they were coming out every single year, and there were three big, you know, there was, like, well, there were four massive franchises with Texas Chainsaw, Nightmare on Elm Street, mm-hmm. Friday the 13th, and Halloween, just every single year releasing these low-budget movies that, you know, I mean, they made a good amount of money. They cost $12 to make, and they would make millions of dollars, but over time, it just became exhausting to, like, keep up with them. Um, 
especially because it's like I feel like horror fans get really once they you realize like Saw is a good example of like this is just a cash grab now. Yeah. You're just trying to find ways to make money. This person should be dead. <laughs> that went on for, and I would say like even like I think Saw's an easy one to go to, but I honestly think Final Destination is the biggest one. Mm-hmm. Um, only because they did the whole thing of like the final movie, we're done. Right. Blah, blah, blah. And then like they came out with another one like two to three years after their supposed final movie. Right. So it was just like, then what are you doing then? Like I thought this was over. And then like less than three years, there's the next one coming out. Your saw is or not saw, but uh Final Destination is the better example because at least Saw, they always ended open. They always had open endings. Yeah, and I think like with the original like run of Saw, like they knew they were ending with that movie. And apparently it's coming back at some point. Yeah. With Chris Rock, I think, as the yes. actor. Okay, that's what I thought. Um, but yeah, they had an end game with Saw and they went with it. And they they completed it the way they, I guess, they wanted to. I don't know like a lot about so I, I kind of trailed off a of saw. I, I've seen them all, but I like stopped seeing them probably after like part four. And then I, like I, I would watch the rest of it in the course of like years after that. Anybody who off, I don't trust anybody who just off the top of their head knows every single thing that happened in every saw. Like I just find that because it, it's like, I don't even think the people involved in those movies can tell them apart at this point. You know what I mean? Yeah. Okay, um, so I found um, real quick on the final destination thing. Um, Because this is what I wanted to find. So they have four, they originally had four movies and the fourth one is called The Final Destination. And um, so everyone's like, oh, cool. This four movies, we're we're calling it, we're calling it here. It came out in 2009. So that was supposed to be The Final Destination. And then what do you know? Part five comes out in 2011 as the actual ending, I guess, like, I'm going to read more on that later just for like my person, but I want to know why they put so much marketing into part four being the final one. And then two years later, here's part five. Just kidding. And like that sucks for that franchise because the first one is so, is such a unique film and it's so well done and it's really effective and it's good, but nobody thinks of the first one being good anymore because there are 40 of them and most of them are horrendously bad i think people think of the second one more if only whenever we're in traffic and there's a bunch of like pipes and wood on a truck and yes (laughs) (laughs) i mean i will say i do probably think about that movie at least once a week because i just everything reminds me of a final destination death i'm always like like whenever I see like a cup spill or something and then I look and there's a plug near I'm like this is a <laughs> very final destination. Or do you get to like where you're in part three where you're like, oh, this is supposed to be my death and I'm gonna skip it, but my real death is after that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll think that's too it. obvious. And so then I'll just gonna... get my mail and a piano will follow me. <laughs> so I'm just gonna lay in bed all day to avoid all scenarios. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then you're in like Tempur-Pedic bed folds in on you or something. Like something that like, you can't you can't run from the ghoul. Um <laughs> Let's talk about Screen 2. Yeah, let's. That's, I can't wait to tell you a fun fact about it that I just learned about when I moved here. Oh my God, tell me immediately. I will start immediately. I live about maybe 10 minutes from where they shot the interiors of the opening scene from Vista Theater. 
Okay, so the cotton, the cotton, or no, the opening scene. Screen two. Duh. So, oh my god. Three. God damn it, Troy. I know. So Jada. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. No. So um, the exterior of that scene is shot in. I think. I could be wrong. I need to double check, but I think Pasadena. So I've, I don't know where that's at. Or I mean, where Pasadena's at, but I don't know where the theater's at. Mm-hmm. But the interiors are shot in a theater called Vista Theater. And it's one of those like iconic like LA theaters. It only, I think it only has like one or two screens in the entire thing. But the inside, the interior scenes of all that was shot in there. And that is about like 10 minutes down the street from where I live. And every time... I go to the store, I see it, and I just always, like, I don't not think of it every single time I go, like, just venture out into my neighborhood. <laughs> Do you immediately think, like, God, I wish I was out here arguing, arguing with my significant other about a Sandra no, I No, I always just think of, like, the girl who said, the studio sent them their yeah. souvenirs. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't that girl win, like, an Herbal Essences thing or something? It, yeah, it was a promo. <laughs> A star. <laughs> she like won a fucking con air like, <laughs> like, <laughs> like she bought the right blow dryer and got a ticket she, to be in the She mail. like cut out that like dotted lot like that barcode <laughs> and sent it in the mail. <laughs> the studio sent them. <laughs> and I, I just I love I mean I'm gonna say something bold, okay? This is bold. I'm t- I'm like three glasses in rose deep. I'm ready. <laughs> okay. I'm going to say that. Drew Barrymore's opening scene in Scream 1 walked so that this one could fly. Because Jada, I mean, I, I have been in the room with people who have seen this movie for the first time many times. Mm-hmm. I really love Scream 2. And I've never once shown somebody the opening of that movie and had them not be in complete fucking silence for that like, I... two or three seconds when she's just laying on the stage. Oh, that silence is so... So good. Oh my um, god. That's funny that you say that. I will always love the or like Scream 1's opening. But yeah, so a friend that I've watched these movies with to this day, like she'll say like Scream 2 has like the scariest opening scene of all of them. Yeah. I love it. I just think it's so well acted and like of course there are I mean, of course, there are moments that you can, like, break down and be like, why would a person put their ear to the... I mean, like, there are things. Why would he know where to... Exactly where to stab to, like, go through his temple on the other side of the fucking Mm -hmm. stall door? There are things, of course. But just... You just couldn't see. He looked over. (laughs) He he peeked over. There was a a blurry hole in the bathroom. Uh, But, you know, it's just, like, it was just so effective for him to die and then for him to come back wearing the mask in a room full of people wearing the mask it was just like what it to me what a sequel should be it's like it was so unsettling yeah it was so sad like and her having to sit there and like hold on to him for a few minutes was i think that's the i think that's where it is is that like of course like the opening scene of scream is the first one is sad and it's intense but there is such a realism about the second one that makes it so much more sad than the first one yeah because it's in a public setting like there's hundreds of people there and yet this like heinous double murder just happened but because of the world that's set up and the world that we're supposed to believe in everyone thinks this is just a pr move because we're at that point now in these movies it's a it's like because with the rules of the sequel like the sequel has to be bigger Mm -hmm. and how else do you make 
an opening murder bigger than doing it in front of 200 people who think it's fake. Totally. And it's I so mean, much scarier that way. It's it's so much scary. And that's the irony of it. It's so much scarier with like, you're not protected anywhere. You could be alone in your house or in front of 200 people. You're going to, your, your ass is going to die and no one's going to blink an eye. Like, Yeah. I think first, I don't know. I'm, I'm very, uh, when it comes to like, I'm a really big fan of a sequel. I love, I love enjoying things that have been established to be good and are in like a, like a peak moment. If it's like a sequel done well, I just love Mm -hmm. like a good sequel. Um, Some of my favorite horror movies are either the sequel or the, or the, the, like the, uh, I don't usually love like a third, but like a sequel that done well, I think is like, which one do you like? That's not scream related. Um, so I'm a really big Child's Play person. I love Chucky. Oh, yeah. And I think the second Child's Play, like, literally turns the movie into a franchise. Yeah. I think it's, like, it is the perfect, it is literally the perfect example of what a sequel should be, because it's, it's bigger, the budget is bigger, it's, like, it, it, like, introduces, like, um, theme music. It does things to turn it into, like, a franchise, you know? Yeah, I agree. Yeah, no, it's so funny. Like, I agree, but I've never thought about Child's Play often gets forgotten, even by horror people like me. I know. <laughs> I love it so much. It's my favorite. Um, fun fact I had like a, God, I want to say maybe like a 15 inch or like a life size Chucky doll, like all throughout my high school career. And it was just always like a thing that I had propped up on my desk. And to this day, I don't know what happened to it. <laughs> I like that was from like two like two thousand four two thousand three through two through two thousand seven that I owned it, and then after that it was just not in my like family anymore. And even my mom's like, "Whatever happened to that?" I was like, "I don't know," because like because everyone knew I had that because it was like life size and it was fucking scary. It's because he's <laughs> like under your bed sharpening like a little knife right now. Like yeah, like he straight up just left. He's like, I'm done pretending to be a doll. <laughs> I'm like, over I, it. I'm over it. This kid Leave this worried. room. <laughs> <laughs> he keeps listening to Ashley Simpson very loudly. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, I don't want to fucking hear boyfriend anymore. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I think like in the rules of what a horror movie should be, as far as like the rules that Scream has set up, like I think Scream 2 is just, it's not perfect, but it's just so fun to watch it's so good i love the introduction of Mm -hmm. all of the characters the new people i think they're all so i just i love it i love this fucking movie it does and um i think in our last episode like what was like over a year ago we talked Mm -hmm. about and you see it in scream but mainly you see it a lot in scream too this movie is like weirdly bright and colorful the entire time yeah like it's a very like color vivid movie mm-hmm. just with because they don't do the traditional like it's a horror movie everything is dark and moody and spooky yep. and scary like everything is in broad daylight and it's just everything like when i think of scream 2 i just think of bright like 90s pastels because you have like portia de rossi and my favorite murderer uh, rebecca gayhart as like supporting characters yep. <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> like a bleached blonde like nymph Portia de Rossi with literal 
the most iconic eyebrows to date. I mean, clear signs of iconic. I often joke that those are my, like, her eyebrows are my favorite character in that movie. <laughs> I mean, they are the killer one and killer two, honestly. <laughs> <laughs> no, because she has my favorite line of the entire screen franchise where she goes, hi. No, 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 I really mean it. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> it's so good. It la- it's a moment that lasts for a half a second, and they just glaze right past it. But that's one of my favorite moments in that. <laughs> and I love the the sound effect of whenever they walk away from like the group, they're always like, <laughs> they're all just giggling through the yard. I but- love like Sydney's like weird pseudo goth vibe and goth clothing of just like sheer brown long sleeves. Oh, can we talk about the, <laughs> the sheer tops and the vel- like the like velvet and like corduroy jackets? Everyone is so sweaty, I think. The sweatiest. Because <laughs> a uh, fun fact about Scream 2, you guys, they shot in Georgia, I believe, at a college that was shut down for the summer because no one's in college during the summer. But their budget was so big, but not big enough to where they could operate with air conditioning in like all of like the college scenes which I thought was so funny because I'm just like, these clothes are so thick. Right. Everywhere they are is just, and they just could not turn on the air conditioning throughout the entire campus that they shot on. Speaking of clothes, do you know why, um, because I feel like you would just know this offhand, why is Nev wearing the same outfit in Scream 3 that she wore in this movie? don't think that's ever been fully debunked other than they just wanted to pay homage to it. Cause she's even it, wearing the Greek letters. It's weird. She's wearing the Greek. She's wearing the exact same outfit. What but is like that? it's off by a few shades, but I remember reading something of just like, yeah, we wanted to like to pay a tribute to like her clothes before. I'm just like, that doesn't make any sense. No, this it's movie, weird. Like, it's super weird because if, I mean, we all watch that movie obsessively. Like every time I watch Scream three, I'm like, wow. She's literally wearing Derek's Greek letters. Like, why would she be wearing that randomly? That's a good, yeah, I'll, I'll have to do more research on that because I know I've like skimmed through that before because I know that's a question that people ask and I don't think there's ever been an actual answer of why they put her in the same wardrobe from the previous film. Well, do you remember, I mean, I have just for completion, do you remember the first time you saw Scream 2? Um... That's funny because I don't. I it's I remember seeing Scream for the first time so well, but like Scream 2, I think, again, it, it goes back to, I didn't see it in theaters, I saw it on home release. Mm-hmm. So I think it might have happened like when like we did a blockbuster trip and just got a bunch of shit, and yeah. Scream 2 was one of them. But I do remember at one point where I was just going to rent that movie every single time. Oh yeah, remember when that was a thing where you would just rent the same movie a lot? Because you had like, you had three days to rent it or like five days if you paid an extra like $5 or something. Right. (laughs) Ironically, The Second Child's Play was a movie that, I don't know why my mom never just bought it, but literally every time we went to the video store for years, it was always one of the things. Like I would get some new things, but I always had that that Child's Play too. (laughs) My mom would be like, are you fucking out of, like, you are manic, you realize, like, you're unstable, <laughs> like, you're insane. <laughs> um, but to kind of circle back to your original point, I do, one of the things that I also love about this movie is 
its setting. Mm-hmm. I love this movie being at this big open college and it does do the complete opposite of the first movie. Like it is, like you said, it's bright, it's open. It all takes place during the daytime. There are barely any moments in this movie of like nighttime terror. It's all them, you know, just sort of wandering around this campus with this giant, beautiful, green, bright green yard. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like noon and it's scary at in the middle of the fucking day. Yeah. And um, yeah, I guess we should say uh, we never really said that Scream 2, the way that it begins is that after the events of the first film, Sydney is now in college because the first one is a high school movie. Now we're in college. Mm-hmm. Her, all of the events in Scream have become a movie called Stab. Right. And that is a huge deal because this Stab thing is continues the story for them, all of the future films. Um, yeah. So now Sydney's life is a movie and the Oscar winning iconic Tori Spelling plays Sydney in the Stab movies. Yeah. And so that's the universe that we're in. We're now we're now we're seeing Tori Spelling on screen. <laughs> yeah. And again, that's like it's like to me like a second, you know, a a sequel is supposed to establish the movie as a franchise. Like what is the thing in this movie that turns it into something that could go on for eight more movies? And the introduction of Stab is very that for me. It's like, "Oh, okay, now this is like a thing." There's like actual life imitating art you know like these two movies are happening exactly. at one time um but and then yeah. the cast we haven't even really gotten to like the entire cast of the second movie so at mean, this point this movie so scream 2 goes into production like while scream 1 is still in theaters because they basically everyone thought scream was going to flop as a horror movie they released it during christmas time and it honestly within the first like couple months it really did flop yeah like, no one was seeing it and then it ended up staying in the theaters i think if i remember correctly like for like over a year that's like, crazy or like almost a year like it was just just consistently like it t- it was like a slow build like it came out no one saw it and then it slowly started getting like bigger by word of mouth and so they started filming scream 2 while scream 1 was still like raking in some big bucks and then at that point we're in 97 and so we have like Anyone that you could think of that was in a teen high school movie in, in like, 96, 97, even yeah. if just for one scene, is in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just, like, we have Sarah Michelle Gellar, Joshua Jackson. God, like, again, Portia Del Rossi, Rebecca Gayhart. Like, everyone just wanted... And even... So there's a scene where Sarah Michelle Gellar is on the, on the phone and the creepy sorority house and the voice on the phone is Selma Blair. Yeah, like everyone had some hands in this movie because they did what they could and they fought like tooth and nail to have some sort of just like role on this whether if it be on or off camera it's like a mid-90s wet dream honestly it is yeah because yeah because like i think like like selma blair like auditioned and didn't get like a role but like still was like please put me on like she was like yeah no i begged to get on this movie and so they agreed to just make me be like the voice on the phone talking to sarah michelle geller like, I just, she's like, I needed just to be credited on this movie because I could not be a part of it. How the fuck do you audition Selma Blair and not think, yeah, she could be a really funny sorority girl? <laughs> Are you kidding? Yeah, no, and they, um, do you watch Riverdale? No, I don't. Uh, okay. So the woman, I forgot, I forget her name. 
Um, she plays Veronica's mom. She is um, the other girl in Sarah Michelle Gellar's scene. Um, what's her name who scares her? Oh! She's on her way to the mixer. Yeah, the roommate. Don't forget to set the alarm. Don't forget to set the alarm. <laughs> yeah, no, she would later, she's she's going to find Riverdale success later. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. But don't you think that it's, okay, speaking of the fact that this movie came out like a year later, I, I mean, even to this day, I watch this movie and I'm like, it feels, it could just be a me thing, but it feels so, I wouldn't say removed, but it's like, the difference in a year, just in style. They, everyone feels so grown up at this point. I mean, is that not like the craziest thing to you? Like, how is this the same Nev Campbell? It I really, I, like, everyone just got haircuts. <laughs> and that's what, that's, Jade, that's not even funny because that's what it is. They got haircuts and streaks. And that was, and everyone looks like, like, they lived through something awful five years ago. Like, Courtney looks. That's a different lady. It's a different woman. <laughs> like, it's a different woman. <laughs> this is like the pantsuit Courtney. She no longer wears skirt suits. Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> she's tough now. She just wears pants and tees. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things I also always love about, like, um, about Scream, but also movies that are in this, like, sort of slasher genre, is uh. that you do notice that, like, a lot of the times, like, the outfit that they're wearing during, like, the big moment at the end is always something that they can, like, like, Nev is wearing stretchy pants and a tee and, like, a jacket. Courtney's wearing stretchy pants and, like, a tee. Like, it's, like, stuff that they can, like, be active in. And I always think that's funny. I always think about that. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, with all of the Scream movies, I'm, like, this is their, like, final girl outfit yeah exactly like a denim <laughs> jacket when you, some stretchy pants i mean fucking like scream four and have campbell's just in like loungewear yeah <laughs> she's in like a like a elisa rinna duster and like sweats <laughs> true the whole time and like a, you know just a simple pair of mom jeans and a big sweater or something <laughs> everyone just wants to get cozy but they don't know it's their final girl night God, the hair in this movie was a revelation for me as a kid. Yeah, no, um, Courtney's was, I love just like the scream hair journey because it's always so drastic. And we'll yeah. talk about the third one later. But with this one, we just have just straight, just black and fire engine red, like four streaks. But, like this thick, like Kelly Clarkson, like block streaks. Yes. And for some reason, streaks that then, then turned into highlights was like a moment that I just remember being really prominent with my friends. Like, yeah, the streaks moment was a thing having like, you know, yeah. Like, Rome, like, uh, like Romy, just big fucking thick ass, completely <laughs> opposite streaks. Exactly. God, I loved Courtney's hair. And, and it's funny. Cause like, it is just like, three or four red streaks, but they take up like 50% of her head. Yeah. <laughs> I know that, like you said, we're going to talk about the third one next time. The bangs are iconic, but for me, of all the Courtney hair looks, I love the bob streaks. I really do. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I love that Nev basically has the same haircut. No streaks? No streaks. Yeah, she, like... I don't, they just like cloned Nev for the third one. It's so weird. Cause like she cuts yeah. her off for part two, you know, I, uh, I've been through, a, I've been through a lot. Uh, I'm, I, right. I'm, goth, I'm goth now. 
Yes. And then with the third one, like they just give her like the same hair, but with just like two more layers to it. Right. And, yeah. <laughs> and it's so shiny and like it's beautiful. I love yeah. it. Um and speaking of, this is my of the whole scream like franchise. This is my favorite sort of like journey for Nev. Like I love I survived something and now I'm like a bad bitch with caller ID, Nev. Like I <laughs> like as, that. I'm hard as fuck. I got my caller ID plugged in. Yeah. I like the Nev that answers the phone with pinnacle codes. <laughs> <laughs> uh Corey Gillis did not stand a chance. <laughs> News flash, Corey. <laughs> I love this version of Nev, and I love her being sort of like hardened and like. I love that her roommate is like trying to use like the sorority as a way to like soften her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's like, join the sorority. They love you, these girls. It's so funny, just because like she could do literally anything else. Yeah, you're on a college campus. And she's also, like, literally famous right now. Right. <laughs> she could do anything. <laughs> so she's, like, she's like, no, like, talk to Portia and Rebecca. Like, they like you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I, I, I just think that, like, the characters, like, everybody is so well-written in this movie. I love the introduction of Cotton as a real person who's, like, mm-hmm. who can talk and interact and is in, is he's in their lives he's there you know like i'm obsessed with cotton weary it just it just does such a good job of turning this into a real this is like a franchise now yeah because i think i will like my favorite thing about the second one is that it is the most like soap opera drama type Mm -hmm. also it's like it's the longest running of all of the films i think it like pushes like i think it's like two hours even it gives a change but because it does like develop the story so much more Mm -hmm. um just outside of murder again it's that thing of like ultimately like scream is about like sydney like dealing with this traumatic thing and then what do you what happened like how do you build on that oh you make the traumatic thing be like a public event a form of entertainment now you right that her mom was murdered raped and murdered and so what happens, that becomes something the public talks about. And it's now in the public eye. And the guy that she put away for turns out to be innocent. Like, this is some, like, Shonda Rhimes bullshit. You're so right, it is. It's <laughs> a drama that just so happens to be a horror. Yeah. Like, she's already dealing with enough with all of that. Like, we don't need a killer, honestly. We need it's eight. So true. We need eight 23-hour-long episodes. eight eight seasons of all of that that is a really big thing that separates this from other horror movies because the actual story outside of the killer is riveting like Mm -hmm. all of the shit going on with her mom is riveting her her life outside of the killings is crazy now that she is like a famous person and she has all this shit going on she literally is like Britney in 2007 walking through a college campus truly like she leaves her dorm and there's 90 people waiting to interview her like it's iconic i love uh like dewey or i think this was like in the first one she's like she just wants to get an education right (laughs) (laughs) what do you think about uh now obviously i guess i should say an hour into us recording spoiler alert (laughs) 
Um, <laughs> what do you think about, because a lot of people's issue with this movie, and we got to talk about it, mm-hmm. is the reveal of the killer. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go there. Let's fucking go there. Let's talk about Aunt Jackie. <laughs> what do you think of about Debbie Salt? <laughs> I. <laughs> what don't I think about icon Debbie Salt? She just wanted the scoop, honestly. Yeah. Um, no, she. I remember watching this for the first time and. Yes, it was anticlimactic for me, but only because of how young I was watching this. Right. But also being an evolved human being, I wanted like that shocking reveal. Right. And granted, that reveal is shocking. Yes. But I wanted it to be like the Gale or the Dewey or even the Cotton, because you know those are kind of obvious. But at that time, like I remember wanting that. Mm-hmm. But then whenever like they do the Debbie Salt of it all. She's going to be like, oh, I guess that makes sense. And then, like, her motives made sense. But I think now that I'm older and, like, I've watched this a thousand times over, I think it's one of my favorite reveals now. Now that I, like, I think it takes, like, watching the entire franchise and thinking about it, like, oh, okay, that does work. Yeah. But I can see someone watching this franchise for the first time and then seeing that be kind of a cop-out. Yeah. But I, the only reason I can't fully live there is just because I saw this the first time and have literally watched this movie as a child, and now I'm 31. Right. And I, I, see, I see it in two different ways at the same time. Yeah. But I, I think it's a fun reveal. Like, that's my ultimate, like, that's where I'm going to stand with it. It's my, ult- it's my favorite, and I think it's fun. I think it's unexpected, and I think it's kind of funny. Just because, like, Debbie Salt gets shit on the entire movie. Right. And so it's nice to see her get her moment. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's great. And it's also, like, why not give Laurie Metcalf, like, this crazy... It's meta because she's on stage, and she's mm-hmm. a theater queen. And, like, why not give her this dramatic, crazy death where she gets to snarl and just be full-on manic Laurie Metcalf, like, doing what she just does best. so manic, and it was so good. Like, everyone always comments, is, like, her eyes are so insane throughout the whole... Like, her eye and the little peephole, like, fuck, that's oh so my scary. God. So scary. I know. <laughs> I know. The sound of the rocks tumbling on her and, like, her scream is, like, inside <laughs> my, my spirit. It, like, is my plasma. Like, her scream <laughs> flows through me. Um... I love it too. I think that it's great. I think it's it is funny. It's like there's something funny about it to think that like this mom has been doing this stuff the whole time. Um yeah. and it's super meta and like the Jason Voorhees of it all. Mm-hmm. And um it's like the movie the whole point of this movie is like it's bigger, it's a sequel, you're supposed to like expect a completely random person to be the killer like that's the point you know what i mean and yeah and they kind of do the like the soft landing first because there's spoily alert two killers in screen two right and so debbie's actually like the second reveal right and so the first one we get mickey played by timothy oliphant who that's the one where you're like okay sure i guess right and then 
Because, I mean, we're just used to, like, who's the killer? And then they reveal themselves. I'm like, ah, sure. That's fine. Yeah, and Mickey and so, keeps, like, like, quoting horror. I mean, he establishes that he likes horror movies, so it's, like, mm-hmm. your brain kind of goes there. You're like, okay, that's fine. And then we get the Debbie Salt out of the wings. And then it's so, like, the reason no one suspected her is my favorite, because she's just got plastic surgery. Come yeah. on. <laughs> it's called a makeover, Gail. <laughs> 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 look it up um where they go like mrs loomis and then like she's like what and then sydney goes oh this is a, a whole face and like 20 pounds less later yeah it's like jesus and she like takes like, off her s- trench s- to reveal her new body <laughs> her like cinched waist yeah and sydney's immediately like no bet you were fat yeah, she's like Mrs. Loomis. That was that was that was Sydney's first reaction was just to just shame her immediately. <laughs> just like, oh no, she was ugly and fat before. That's why we don't recognize it. <laughs> I know, and the fact that like it's just so iconic that like there is a Jason Voorhees element where she's do she's revenge. You know, this is the revenge of her son. Mm-hmm. You know, she's the crazy mom. Like it's funny and. Obviously, it's like Mickey is obsessed with horror movies, so he would know that. It's great. Like, I don't know. I I do remember when I was younger being like, this is so weird that she's the killer. And then, of course, you think about, like, the logistics of it all. It's like her literally physically picking up people and throwing them over balconies or, you know, like, <laughs> picking up um, Randy's body and, like, throwing his whole body into a fucking van and stabbing it. Because she got a little knife happy. She got knife happy. You know, it's like, of course, all of those things. But it's just like, who cares? You have to suspend <laughs> your reality. You do. Um, but again, I've never been a mother before. So I don't know about that whole, like, mother adrenaline. True. Thing. So who knows? I mean, that could be very, like, scientifically realistic. True. But man, she's kind of, like, ripped as fuck for throwing all those people like twigs all over the place yeah i mean she picks up sir michelle geller's like limp body and throws it <laughs> into the air into she picks her up and throws her through the air <laughs> I mean, like it's crazy it's two throws it's one throw through the door and then one throw over yeah, like a, yeah. a five-story balcony <laughs> <laughs> so true it's amazing she's yeah, yoked I mean, you know mothers are known to live buses or whatever that's the, <laughs> the old adage um but no i think this movie is so great i it's probably the scream that i've watched the most of uh-huh. all of them i've watched this one i mean thousands of fucking times i mean i've been i play them regularly especially like throughout quarantine just like as like if i like know that i'm gonna have like oh i need to clean like my room and the living room and the kitchen today like i want to do that i'll play like two of the movies and it's always two is always in the mix Tell me the truth. I want complete vulnerability. When you watch this movie alone, do you verbally say all of the lines? Um, I don't. I, I'm being fully, fully real. <laughs> I don't. I will on some lines, but usually what I'll do is like act the scene out in my head before yeah. it happens. Totally. And like act it in character. Yeah. And then wonder, just because, like, this is how my brain works, I'm like, I wonder what notes they were given. Or I wonder, like, on the first take, how did they deliver this before they got to, like, this is the take? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Yeah. Because all of the 
the like the um, the deaths are so choreographed that mm-hmm. when you watch when you watch the movie a lot, like you learn all of the beats of like this is where she throws the flower pot, this is where she twists this door, this is where she throws the bike. You know, like it's like yeah, also it's like a dance. I will give you the answer you want in a different way, though. Okay. Do I answer my phone like Nev Campbell ninety percent of the time? Absolutely. <laughs> you say, um, who's calling? Who, who's calling? <laughs> um, and then I'll look out my window and then I'll put my like hand on my head and like, <laughs> oh yeah, and then act like I'm pull like pulling on it. Yeah. <laughs> and then just do like a. <sighs> yeah, <laughs> a little lip quivering Nevisms. <laughs> just like when my mom calls, I'm like, what'd you do today? I'm just like, <sighs> who's calling? <laughs> you say, God damn it. <laughs> Nevisms. Dewey, Dewey, is this you? I don't know who has my phone. Um, yeah. <laughs> A lot of calling out for Dewey when you're distressed. Dewey, <laughs> no, Dewey, do- Dewey, don't. Dewey. <laughs> and it's like, why are you calling out for Dewey of all people? He's the last person I would want to protect. <laughs> No, actually, um, the one quote, like, my friend and I, like, text each other a lot, and we know what we're saying, is we'll text in all caps, and this is a Scream 3 quote, of, that makes me angry. <laughs> when Dewey's on the phone with yeah, yeah, <laughs> pretending yeah. to be um, Stone. Yes. Or Stone's on the phone thinking it's Dewey. Yeah. <laughs> Like, my, yeah. like, we'll just send each other, like, articles that'll just piss us off. And we'll just type in all caps. That makes me dot, dot, dot angry. Scream 3, I probably, if I'm being honest with you, is the one I quote the most with my friends. Uh-huh. Me and my best friend Katie constantly quote Scream 3 to each other. A lot of, like, um, I love in, I mean, we're at, so the way that Jay and I are doing this is we're going to record again together. And we're going to do um, Scream 3 and 4 and then possibly talk about our hopes and wishes for 5. Mm-hmm. Um but I love when Courtney punches, uh, what's her name? And she says, but she says, my lawyer liked that. The dramatic pauses, the periods <laughs> yeah. just stapled into that sentence. She's so quotable. I'm the killer in screen three, you're stepping <laughs> on me. Like, so quotable. Um, well, I don't know, do you have any like, uh, any closing i mean i know we've just kind of been like ranting about our love of this movie but do you have i know that's the thing is like i we could just do such a deep dive on these and like the way that they deserve but it would take eight hours i'm not kidding it would and like i like we've already how long have we been on now i don't have the timer on here i mean it's been at least an hour yeah like even going through this, like, I just feel like there's so much more to say. And, like, I mean, if you if you just DM me and I'll just send you everything that I know, out everyone out there. <laughs> but, no, it's just, like, I love doing this and I love talking about it because I just, it, it it's, it's weird because it's such an iconic franchise and it's such a staple in pop culture. Mm-hmm. However, I feel like so much of it isn't known about. Yeah, it's, totally. It's a thing that's taken at such face value, but with people like us, we could do like we could do five one hour episodes on just the first film alone and yeah totally just based on like just fun facts production facts who was supposed to be in this movie how the movie was originally supposed to play out to begin with and like like one of my favorite things to talk about is the reason like a lot of the reasons like two and three get so meta is because those scripts were leaked 
And so like they were leaked like during production. So they had to do movie rewrites like live after the movie had already gone on camera. And so they put that kind of shit like, and then I've read the original scripts and they're so bad. (laughs) Yeah, I was gonna say, what do you know, like just sort of um, generally what the plot of two, well, I guess like what they were supposed to be. So two was um, mostly the same. It was the killers. So the killers were gonna be like Mrs. Loomis um, and Mickey, but also Derek and Hallie. And they were all supposed to have been like a part of the serial killer ring that Mrs. Loomis put together. Okay. And they all get revealed like on stage. Like they, they're, they're like, they're all supposed to be like on those stars that Derek was on. And like had like Sydney was supposed to believe that they all had been murdered. And then they come back to life and like, psych, we're the killers. <gasps> also, there's this one scene that was cut out where Sydney does try to go into the sorority. So she has to be hazed. And there's this weird scene where she just like has to eat this carton full of like macaroni and cheese in okay. order to get like Portia de Rossi's approval. Okay. Where she just like gives in to hazing. So they make her eat like an obscene amount of macaroni and cheese to fit in. It's so, I'll have to find you, like I can fi- probably find it like here in a minute, but like if I, I'll find the PDF and I'll send it to you and I'll like highlight some like major differences. Please but the reason they didn't do that is because like it got leaked. So they had to rewrite the movie, but they already were on set. Like, so they had to rewrite on the spot. And like my friend and I, the one who I said, our, we quote scream with all the time. We're always like, they should always get leaked because the rewrites are always better. Because the rewrite is what we ended up seeing. Yeah. And the only reason we saw it is because someone leaked the script already. And that was supposed to be the script on camera. But like, it was just so bad and did not read well. And didn't they give them all like different versions of the script for the second one so that nobody knew how it ended, like the killer? I think I think so, and I think that's what they just do now, like going because I know they did that for three and four, but I think it started right. at two after, like I think it was after the leak, where they're just like, all right, we're gonna do like a few different versions. No one's really gonna know who it is, but actually, I think with four, they just didn't attach the ending to the people who weren't in the ending. Isn't it funny to like picture what a like as a producer or like a writer or director, like what a 1996 or 1997 leak looks like on the internet at that time it's like that's like that's something that i think about often is like who got the leak yeah how did it leak and where they posted it it, where did you post it and how did anyone like read this and was like oh no this is it like like, (laughs) what message what x files message board did you just like post the screen that's how i picture it it was on some like message board and just like regular text that was just copied and pasted God, there are are people out there in the world who I would love to have on this podcast, if you're listening, who like read the leaked screen script in real time on the internet. God, I hope, yeah, no, reach out. I want (laughs) to, I don't want to meet you, but you can email me. Yeah, (laughs) you can tweet me at uh... (laughs) a... Just email me my burner email. (laughs) But I would love to hear your experience. Just never talk to me IRL. (laughs) <laughs> don't ever because i'm scared of you um well yeah so as mentioned we jay and i are going to do this again uh for screen three and four 
And I'm excited to hear your thoughts on what Scream 5, like, could be and what we want it to be and what we hope it'll be and what we hope it isn't. Um, oh, yeah. No, my my room has become just, like, a chamber. Of, can, like, it's like a red yarn wall, like a murderer wall <laughs> of just what's going to happen with this, with with this new chapter that we're getting so much later than everyone thought. Yeah. This was supposed to come out in 2021, of like fall 2021. Yeah. But as we know, it just got announced that now we're getting January 2022. I know, painful. So fun fact, this is actually going to be a longer gap from Scream 3 to 4 that we're getting with 4 and 5. Can you believe that? That's painful for me. Isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. We're going to be like 87 years old when this movie comes out. Literally all the boomers, (laughs) all of us like millennial boomers will show up to the theater with like our, (laughs) our masks on. Um, well, Jay, thank you so much for doing this with me. This was super fun. No, thank you for asking me. This was so much fun. Like, I truly, like, again, I, I texted you earlier saying there's few things that I'm actually successful at, and one of them is talking about Scream, and especially under a time crunch, because I know where to get my talking points in. Yeah. <laughs> in a short yes. amount of time, because other than that, I have no personality. So, this is all <laughs> yeah. I go off of. You're like fully, you're like wearing a ghost face costume right now to record this. It's I'm sweating so hard. <laughs> well, tell people where they can find you on the interwet. I'm so wet. I'm on the. Uh, huh? I just said interwet. I don't know what the <laughs> fuck that means. The interwet. We'll in. Maybe we'll keep it in. We'll keep it in. Um. So on Instagram, I'm at not jayrena. Um. I'm gonna spell my last name because no one ever really knows. It's J A Y and then R E Y N A. So not J Rayner on, on Instagram and at J Rayner on Twitter, where you All can right. find me and my musings and me usually tweeting Troy or something about Scream, about, about Scream or whatever Courtney Stodden did today. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> if you just tweet oh, me, we've never talked about. No, real quick, we've never talked about this in person. I sent you text. I moved to LA one year ago. In October of 2019, I went to a Charlie XCX after show party, and Courtney Stodden was the surprise performer. Oh my God. I think and about this all the time. Was, I went with my roommate, who has no idea who Courtney Stodden is at all. Like, it's a oh literal God. nobody. So, as soon as they're like, because Brooke Candy was on stage, like, announcing her. So, I mean, again, this was just. The gayest place I've ever been in my life. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> I love it. Brooke Candy emceeing a Charlie XCX after party, introducing Courtney Stodden. So she's like, here's our surprise guest, Courtney Stodden. I could have literally shit my pants I would have died. And just, I straight up looked at my roommate and like yelled, you're fucking kidding me. And he was like, what? And I was like, shut up. Don't talk about it. Don't talk to me. Didn't and you she, watch her perform the, the, the new version of Don't Put It On Me? Don't put it on me, girl. I sure did. Um, she played three songs, and it's those three songs were my favorite entire concert I've ever been to. I'm not surprised. I remember in one of your she, videos. If she did not just literally just sing and yell on top of just the actual track, like it wasn't even a track without the voice. Like it was just she was playing like the Spotify track. Yeah, they just turned on Apple Music and threw a commercial. <laughs> <laughs> the video that you sent me <clears throat> I'll never forget her um, on stage like, like when Don't Put It On Me Girl started and she was like remember that song does anybody <laughs> remember that one and like nobody like people were like excited but like you, she wasn't getting like the response that I'm she sure she wasn't was I was like it was me and like 20 other people just like getting our best life that night oh my god and her like 
spandex like herb Leger dress <laughs> yeah like, stripper like heels eight, and just like eight pounds of extensions and i was just like no one is here tonight but me <laughs> literally you're the only like, I texted, person in the room I'll, like you and molly were the only people i texted like that night the moment it happened i was like oh my god yeah i'm at this thing and you will not believe <laughs> I like literally elevated out of my bed like the exorcist when you said that to me. I was like, wait oh, yeah, a no, minute. Her, like, what? It was like it was her set time was like 1 a.m. I didn't even get to see like Charlie XCX like do her thing because she hit the stage at 3 a.m. and baby was escorted out at like two. <laughs> oh my god. I can't believe you fucking watched Courtney Sutton perform Don't Put It On Me, Girl. That is like that's a moment in pop culture that you witnessed that is very iconic. I know. It was. Don't. <laughs> and you know what? Did she have trouble saying all the does? Yeah, she did. But you know sure. what? It was still fun. Sure. She was <laughs> responsible for your lover's uh, attractions. <laughs> <laughs> she couldn't keep up with all those fast downbeats, but I still had a great time. <laughs> yeah. Um, side note if you guys are listening to this and haven't explored Courtney's um, music, it is. She has a lot of songs on iTunes. Um, they're amazing. They're like literally amazing. They're all so mm-hmm. good. Yeah, no, seriously, like to this day, like one of my most favorite days, because like it was like a fun concert. We were, like it was a Charlie XX show, and then they're like, we're having an after party. It's $10. It's over at this place. I was like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> and just like having that be like the surprise performance was just like, Mwah. it hasn't gotten better than that since. It's literal chef's kiss covered <laughs> in like pink, slimy lip gloss. jay i love you i love you too thank you so much for having me this is so much fun of course i cannot wait to have you back um when we let's just do this again real soon so it can come out back to back yeah no i am fully like harshly unemployed due to (laughs) the state of the world so yeah anytime you want to i'm doing nothing always all right well i will be dming you immediately after this Perfect. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Thank you for listening to Dunzo. This podcast is a part of the Solid Listen Network. Please take a moment to rate, review, and subscribe if you haven't already. Also be sure to check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash solidlisten for exclusive content. You can follow me on Twitter at Troy McGee, and you can follow the podcast on all forms of social media at DunzoPod. That's D-U-N-Z-O. Thank you to executive producer Molly McAleer and coordinating producer Nicole Matthew. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.